Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. Welcome, Extra Points listeners, and congratulations on making it through yet another week. Good news, the weekend awaits with its enchanting promises of endless sports and free time that ends up with you screaming silently at some jerk in the Costco parking lot instead. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, we know how hard you work, and while we hope listening to all our shows makes that time go a little faster, we don't want that to feel like work in and of itself. So we've had our producers pick out their favorite bits and put them together in a half-hour supercut for you to sample. I know, I can't believe we have producers either. If you like something, check out the full episode the next week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for supporting the network. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart as the co-founder that I sincerely hope your favorite team still loses to mine. Enjoy the shows. Well, of course, we have to start off this best of with the top story of the week. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots parting ways. Luckily, on minus three, we have Kevin Hench, Boston sports fan, to discuss some of the biggest moments in the Bill Belichick career with the New England Patriots. Besides Tom Brady, greatest player of the dynasties round. Richard Seymour of the first dynasty, you know, Hall of Famer. Um, And then, you know how I feel about about Julian Edelman and his Hall of Fame bona fides. Uh, I mean, you could go Devin McCourty. Not Gronk. You could go Gronk. Yeah, the, 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 the greatest. I mean, it's funny how much better the supporting cast of the second Belichick dynasty is than the Antoine Smith version where it's, it is funny. You can cut like, yeah, you can reach a place in your career. We talk always about the, you know, being on your rookie deal and being the guy and the advantage that gives the entire team to have that. But yes, then you go through the middle of your thing and then you're like, you're, you're tenured and successful enough. It's like, Let's all get together and super team this thing. Like Randy Moss then becomes available to you in a way like, yeah, I just want to play to the Rodney Harrison point you made earlier. There are enough guys who are um, successful and on the back half of their career. Like, let's just chase a Lombardi here and you can win guys doing that. Okay. All right. Real most, quick. Most hated team. So, 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 so the, this is just a, a statistic. It's, a, it's an anomaly that's so crazy, but it tells you how spread out the two Brady dynasties were. In between the first dynasty and the second dynasty, Logan Mankins plays 11 seasons and makes seven Pro Bowls, arguably a Hall of Fame guard, never wins a Super Bowl ring. That can't be true. What? Look it up. Look it up. He gets whipped by Justin Tuck. He gets, anyway, I don't want. Jeez, okay. Who is who's the one team on the AFC side you don't want to see if there's a Super Bowl trip on the line? Right. Wait. Any talking- team that the Patriots would have had to play. Who 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 was the best team that they had to go through on the AFC side? I don't know if it's an individual. I'm just trying to come I mean, up the with thing, these off the, the cuff. But the, the thing, like, I mean, obviously we had the Steelers' number, so that was never right. That would never nerve wracking. Right. But Denver was such a house of horrors. You know, we just, if you had to go into Denver, you just knew we weren't going to play well. Like, it just like, and so, you know, obviously 
um, you know, losing those, those, those bad AFC title games, uh, you know, losing the one to Manning on his second Super Bowl uh, win that, that one where Brady was concussed and, and didn't see a wide open Gronk. Yeah, it was, it was always Denver. That was, that was, I mean, I thought you might go Baltimore because they really, you know, the Cundiff kick, they, they, they should have beaten you that season. And I thought, Oh man, I don't know how you come back from that spiritually. And then they came back the next year with a brand new kicker named Justin Tucker. And they did get over on him. That was a, the Ravens. In fact, they're the only team that I can think of in the Patriots last 20 years that absolutely destroyed New England in a playoff game. What'd they beat well, them, 33-10 yeah. or whatever that yeah, was? Ray, the Ray Rice game right. where, where they just said from Jump Street, we're way better than you. I guess I would say the team I would least want to play in Foxborough would be the Ravens. And uh, the team I'd least want Go to, to right. be, be Denver. Um, but yeah, those, I mean, thank goodness for, for Lee Evans, I believe, getting stripped uh, with the game-winning touchdown and then Cundiff mi- missing the field goal. Uh, and then and then the Ravens blowing two 14-point leads, or they just would have completely owned the Patriots for that entire run. And who do you dislike more? Because I've NFL'd this one before, that if Archie and Olivia don't meet at Ole Miss, then there's no Peyton and Eli. And if there's no Peyton and Eli, then Brady and Belichick have 10 at least. Who do you hold more responsible for those shortcomings, Eli or Peyton? Or Archie, you know, the, the, um, you know, the curse of supposed to, right. It's like, it just, you, you were never supposed to beat Peyton Manning. Like it was always like, you could definitely lose. They have Peyton Manning. Like, so those games always felt like coin flips, you know, the, the, the one and one a going head to head, the, the two losses to Eli, you know, when, when arguably those teams shouldn't even have been in the playoffs, like those were, those still haunt me. Uh, now you uh, hurt Spaghetti's feelings. He doesn't uh, like. I it. mean, you know, Asante Samuel turning, you know, returning the pick six to put the Patriots up, uh, twenty-one to three in, in the game. They would go on to lose. Um, too many men in the huddle penalty. You know that AFC Championship game with the lowly Rex Grossman Bears waiting for a free Super Bowl ring. Um, that that was pretty painful. But I think on the pain meter. Both both Giants losses uh, are, are worse stomach punch. Another big story this week, the Michigan Wolverines defeating the Washington Huskies in the national championship game. Martin Weiss, Michigan alum, discusses his feelings with Mark Gunnels during Lemon Pepper Parlay. Congratulations for you, man. I know it's been a long time coming. You're a Michigan alum. Hell to the victors. I'll tell you what, the adjustment that they made was they stopped running the ball. They had 179 rushing yards in the first quarter and somehow finished. With, oh, I mean, I was oh, don't get me started. I was getting so mad. I was like, bro, these dudes are light in the ass. They can't stop anything in the run game. And then they're like, you know what we should do on third and four? Let's throw it. Why? Why would you do that? That was, was there was a bunch of it was it was not a perfect game. But the ending was pretty damn good. Uh, I did appreciate the fact that Donovan Edwards had had a quiet year all year. You actually went to the same high school, me and Donovan Edwards. And oh, which wow. Is, shockingly enough, if the guys from my high school didn't play at Michigan this year, they wouldn't have won that title. Like West Bloomfield High School was heavily represented in the uh, 
in the national championship game, which to go back to when I was in high school sounds like a mad thing to say because those guys went <laughs> West Bloomfield High School circa 2007, 2008 was not putting people in college, much less players who are playing on the highest stage of college football and uh, will soon be moving on to the NFL. It uh, had, a, they had to take my hat off to Ron Bellamy, who really rebuilt that football program and is now coaching wide receivers at Michigan because he brought so many players through Michigan. So hats off to him. So are you ready to talk about the annoying topic or you just want to savor in this win right for now? You know, I don't know how, and it's become increasingly and increasingly more and more evident to me, but I don't know how anybody watches Jim Harbaugh do a pre or post game show and says, I want this guy to run my NFL team. Like sure, like the results are there, but like, He's weird, man. He's really, really weird. And like, who got him better than us? Right. Like, could you imagine him coming <laughs> out with the Atlanta Falcons saying, who's got it better than us as they finish, you know, 10 and seven? Like, saying it because he'll go in the press room and be like, who's got it better than us? And then the media will look at him and be like, dude, what are you doing? This isn't middle school. Well, we all know officiating is a problem across all the major sports. Toby Mergler on Trendy with Dave Damashek tells him his plan on how to alleviate this referee problem. How much time do we spend obsessing about the single worst player in any game? None, because that guy's glued to the bench. The 53rd man in the NFL, the 15th guy in NBA, they're not determining games. How often is a referee determining a game? And so the single worst guy in any uniform, in any sport, is making 4X the guy in stripes who's actually impacting the outcome. How is that right? How is that? How is that, how is the economics of the league? Of, and I'm just not saying players should make less. I'm saying referees should make more. We should make the. We should have reality shows about them. These guys should be stars. They should be making a million dollars. They should have fantasy leagues. We should have stats and all these things that make these guys good. And then you know what? And set them to be great. Make them afraid to lose their gig. Make them afraid to uh, lose a seven-figure job to go back and be an accountant. There should be positive incentives to be good at this, and it's going to improve the product so much more than, than an incremental investment anywhere else the sport can make. So why are the leagues asleep at the wheel and not paying these guys what they should make compared to their impact on the $5 billion they're doing in television revenue? I like where your head's at in the sense that it would, one thing it would do, first of all, by the way, how raw do they have to be that their former pals are now making way more money, I'm assuming, being the referee's referee on network TV? I mean, Gene yeah. Steratore sits there, John Perry and those guys sit there and they referee what the referees do and very often disagree with it. Nothing, I would say, besides HDTV, Nothing has more done more damage to the credibility of current officiating than the ex-officials who are sitting yeah. up on TV saying, like, I think they got that call wrong. And it's yeah. funny because, that well, the irony is they thought, like, this will really help the nation understand the decision-making. And what it really has done is expose, like, it it's just completely random and pronouncements about um, that's a call that's going to get made every time 
isn't a call that's and that's what vexes me is when people try to make excuses like well they had to call that then why didn't they call it last week in the other game because they don't do yeah. that they're inconsistent with that one um as far as the money goes and back to that point that i just made 42 seconds ago i think the nation would like it because if you inoculated the officials by making them so rich then you would never be able to say like, well, they're fic- they are They paid off the refs. I know that's a, 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 a dim thing that people like to throw out anyway, but the games aren't fixed, everybody. The NFL ain't rigging games, whatever else you want to say about the league, so be it. But they ain't, they ain't fixing up the games. I can assure you that much. But if you pay them more, then the referees would be like, He's already making $2 million a year. Why would he fix a game? Let's take a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up, Omaha Full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Joe Coy seemed to have a pretty tough night hosting the Golden Globes, so comedian Sarah Tiana tells Dave Damashek and Martin Weiss on Extra Points some things she would have changed to help his opening monologue. Adam Carolla just hosted one Sarah Tiana on his podcast, Mm -hmm. and she was talking about this. And a lot of people, for a lot of people who treat Hollywood stuff like we treat sports, call Golden Globes and Oscars award season their Super Bowl. And so I think this is close enough to sports that we can get away with talking about this. Tiana, I haven't heard a ton of defense of Joe Coy. And you are a joke writer um, on award shows and beyond, known for your uh, roast jokes specifically. How say you about Joe Coy saying, not saying this is on me, but blaming the players, basically? Yeah, I think it was complete I said that on Adam's show, you know what I mean? Like, obviously we all go into it and we know that it's a tough gig. We've all done tough gigs, you know, you don't, but he took the gig that's first. So you knew going in, it was a tough gig. And no matter what, you're the host of the show, you get presented with hundreds of jokes and you picked them. So maybe you didn't write it, but you picked it. So if you're going to say it, say it with conviction But I think after about two minutes, he knew he was cooked and then he just started panicking. And, you know, I don't think the right people, you know, I I don't I don't think I don't think he was being guided completely well. Like he should have come out and he should have talked about how he should talk about all the people that said no and made a really long list. And made that, that list funny, even right? longer, like obnoxious, like adding people dead and alive to the list, right? Then he should have talked about, then he should have introduced himself and said, I know you don't know who I am. This is, you know, like I'm the only Asian that wasn't in Crazy Rich Asians, right? Like some, something like that. So that we all know now who you are. Now you've made fun of yourself for two minutes. And now you can kind of go anywhere, provided those jokes work. But then you also have to have plans for jokes that don't work. So in case this joke bombs, in case that joke bombs, what are you going to say about it? How are you going to? But but that comes with a certain level of awareness and self-awareness. And I didn't see that from Joe. It was a weird move that I suspect was his version of a bit. Like he was trying to have some fun in a writer's room level kind of joke like well that wasn't my joke that was your joke but don't do that on national tv when people don't know who you are don't do it in front of uh the most elite producers in the game because what you just said was i didn't produce any of this somebody else did it i'm just reading it and by the way he he i'm sure you know him (laughs) if i've met him but the, the world over what a sweetheart joe coy is i just think you know he made a bad situation worse by trying to, I don't think that's, he has that gear of snark. And I think he tried to engage in snark to be funny and it failed spectacularly. Cause that, that ain't his wheelhouse to do that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was, uh, it, it was bad, but I did, I did immediately think of all the, uh, the joke writers out there and right to your point, you need a better in-game coach. You need some, or GM or assistant or whatever yeah, to say, and like, I just Hey think coach, also, you're treating this the wrong way. These are the jokes you should be doing there. You know, I think that also on award shows. as a man, you can't, if you're going to make a joke about Barbie, it better be good. You know what I mean? 
it can't be some cheap thing about how she has big, big boobies. Like you just proved that movie, right? You're mm. on in a position of power and a woman should have been there instead. That's what that, well, that's what you just proved. I'd love to know if there were women in the writer's room. I don't think there were from really from the texts that I've, you know, in 2024, there were no, there were no women on staff. By the way, I do have to say, I don't know that thought. for a fact. I'm just, I, I asked around and um, I heard that there were not. Wow. You know, that's weird, but that's surprising. In fact, um, but um, it's funny because Martin just mentioned batting average for Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> and it did, as we were talking about this, what crossed my mind is for the record, I have to say this on behalf of anybody who's, who's tried to be funny on the page at a, at a job is people always float that one. Like, there's no job where you could get away with succeeding three out of 10 times. If you're a joke writer and three out of your 10 pitches make it to air, you would be the greatest yeah. writer in the history of writers, right? When I, like I was the, on the, when I was on 95% have no shot. When I was on the burn with Jeff Ross for Comedy Central, there were 13 writers in the room. 37 jokes made the show. So if you got one or two jokes on, you were like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm the king of joke writing. You know, it was it was it's so hard to get to get jokes in because, A, there's so many people bring their own people quit on. them. They don't say this. They don't say that. There's just there's a lot out there. And look, Joe Coy is really funny. That's not just because he had a bad night doesn't mean he's not going to be funny tomorrow. He's still going to sell out his shows. His fans don't care. I hope he so. Had a because bad I don't feel on the like Golden people Glove. want to take him to task and ruin his career. No, there's no point in. No, you're not going to ruin his career. He's still going to be funny. He's still going to be a great stand-up, just like he was the day before the Globes. You know, this is, you know, this is a great story that he'll have forever. That you know, I'll be honest, like, and hopefully he can his, make uh, it funny. I thought the Taylor Swift joke was funny. I oh, laugh. it was funny. Oh, it was I funny. Laugh. First of all, he bailed on it. He didn't say it the right way at the end. I think he was going to say. He said the word wrong and then he's almost said it under his breath. So it didn't get the laugh that it intended, but she wasn't, in my opinion, she wasn't not laughing at that joke. She was responding to the monologue. Like she was just like, you're not going to get me my vote of approval because you just said Barbie has big boobies. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the joke. Well, cheer up, fantasy footballers. B. John Robinson is finally free. The Falcons have fired head coach Arthur Smith and myself and Jen Piacente discuss how this helps Atlanta going forward. The Falcons finally released Arthur Smith after three consecutive seven and ten seasons. And this season, he actually had a shot to make it to the postseason and he still blew it. And I, we hate to cheer for anyone to lose their job, but those of us in fantasy land are screaming free Bijan, free Drake London, free Kyle Pitts. So I really hope they go out and get an offensive minded coach to take advantage. They've been taking these top 10 draft picks and they've been doing nothing with them as if to prove a point, which was never proven. So we don't have to look at the stupid mustache anymore. We don't have to look at them whining like a cry, <laughs> cry baby when they start layering it on in New Orleans P.S., wasn't really right what Jameis Winston did probably, but it is hilarious. No. And you really should watch the post-game interview because it is hysterical. Watch the whole three minutes where the interviewer implies that it was a foolish move for Jameis because they'll have to face the Falcons in the future. He's like, are you, 
like, you're serious? Are you smoking something? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a team decision. And two characters that I think are underrated in the NFL still are both Jamal Williams and Jameis Winston. And they should do a reality show starring those two guys. I, I have this like fantasy just for my fantasy teams, but Jameis Winston and Eric Bieniemy take over the Falcons. He's the quarterback. Can you imagine the fantasy assets? I, I, I mean, think there's a lot on. of really great options for just the Falcons. For um, Jameis, obviously, and he's a character, and that that was uh, you, you're, you're very right, Jen. Everyone, mm-hmm. go go watch that. Um, really, a classic Jameis ending to that game, classic post game. Um, I think with them, obviously, with Jameis, if he goes to the Falcons, they'll be throwing the ball a ton. I think there's some other interesting quarterback options. Obviously, the biggest obviously. guy no, tied you, to him. They're going to get a better quarterback than Justin Jameis. Fields is tied to him. I also yeah. think. You know, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I, I really and a lot of people, I think, are kind of coming on to this. I know the the guys in Limp Pepper Parlay are pretty high in the Falcons as well. Um, if you think they're on the precipice of the plus, which you like you pointed out, they were. They were. Russ. I mean, Russell Wilson, I know oh, yeah. he might be a heftier contract, but he's a veteran guy who can get you into the dance. I think that's what, you know, the, the Falcons really want. And the pieces they have on this team. They're like Drake London. You can make the argument one of the best receivers in his draft class. You can make the argument that Bijan was the best running back prospect probably since Saquon Barkley coming out. You can make the argument that Kyle Pitts was, I mean, was probably the best tight end coming out. I mean, now obviously we're going to have Brock Bowers soon, but he was definitely his class. Maybe since I'm probably forgetting some guys, but I'm trying to like Vernon Davis went super high years ago. Like he, he was legit people like he is so good. He would be drafted as a receiver. I think that they're in a really good spot offensively. And you bring in like, just say a Justin Fields who can get you near the 3000 pass yard mark, get you the thousand yard rushing mark with the two running backs they have, because Algiers, no slouch had a thousand yards two seasons ago, have Cordell Patterson, who is a a gadget player could do a bunch of different things. This is a fun team. This is a fun offense. And I think for fantasy people, like you said, we don't want to see people lose their jobs, but for us to, in this, uh, in this biz and people who play and just have fun, this is just the best news because Arthur Smith, for some reason, just really don't go make some other stupid I call like hiring Mike McDaniel or something dumb like that. Well, that's a great, that's a great point. Do not hire a defensive minded coach. Do you not. want, you have to bring an you offensive minded coach here because you, you need have Ben Johnson. You need players. Bobby yes. Slovic. You yes. need, that's who you need. Totally. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I'm Atlanta. With you. And I know that right now, Bill Belichick is the favorite for that job, but I want an offensive minded coach there so much. And I think the fans deserve it. Yeah. You, there's, just, there's just too many a level players you have a guy that i think could be a premier tight end in pits and i think drake london is really is great um and he's he's proven that in the past and he's had some big games and again Bijan in a, in a an era where running backs are devalued Bijan could do it all and uh i i think if you put the right signal caller there because they had a pretty bad combo of heineke and ritter we've seen a lot of good backup quarterback play this year um sometimes third string quarterback play that was pretty good but this team this falcons team did not have that and uh i think getting in the right piece there which is like why oh, i brought up russ and i'm be, i'd be fine Justin Fields, I may be higher on Fields than most. I think the situation in Chicago was pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you get a really smart offensive minded coach uh, with you, Jen, I think this Falcons team next year and a very, very winnable NFC South could really surprise some people and, uh, you know, yes. get to the playoffs. And, and that's and, that's the key. What you said right there, very winnable NFC South. It's not yeah. like there's a lot of competition in that division, no. right? It's wide open. It oh. is wide open. And, I mean, and even Baker looked like the last two weeks, right? Wide open division. It's it's going to be the perfect combo of this team. Not only the team improve and make the playoffs, but again, in in terms of fantasy, it's like you're going to, you, we now will have stud running back, stud receiver, stud tight end, and potentially stud quarterback all from the same offense. I mean, that's just music to my ears.
Well, even though the Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs, will Mike Tomlin be their head coach next season? Dave Damashek is joined by Christopher Carter on minus three to discuss the future of their head coach. Does Tomlin, I think there's a real chance that he walks away after this, but does making the playoffs put the Steelers in a much worse position if Tomlin chooses to walk away when this thing is over because all the good candidates will probably have already been locked in with a new team, right? Or do you, I, th- I th- or do you think that's not going to happen? So we don't need I to think, worry. About I think we are all being played. Mike I've Tomlin- said it. I've said it, Carter. Don't, don't, I, I, I'm nobody's dupe. I have also floated that as it, ah, they're just Mike getting Tomlin up a market going. for him. Th- th- this is the man who just chastised the media for asking him if he would take a job at USC. And he was just like, are we, what are we talking about here? This is the job of a lifetime. Mike Tomlin has plans for the Steelers. He wants to develop this core. He's been, de- he's been developing this core. He wants to see the future. You know, if, if this core fell apart, like if this season did go seven and 10 and then, you know, TJ Watt wanted to go somewhere else, then Mike Tomlin would be gone after maybe another season or two after that. But it doesn't ever happen under him. And that's why I think he wants to stick around. This guy is not tired of the NFL right now. And he's not tired of the Steelers team. I think he likes the Steelers. Team. He develop, you think he's developing George Pickens right now for somebody else? No. All Mike Tomlin, all this stuff is, you know, who started this whole Mike Tomlin might want to leave thing? Jay Glazer. You know who's really good friends with Mike Tomlin? I I said that I get it. Yeah, he's trying okay. to get him a payday. That's all. This, all that. this is is to say, right. hey, Rooney's. Uh, I do actually. There's a there's a consideration here that I might want to walk away. And so when they get to the negotiating table, he's not going to get you know a John Gruden offer. You know, he's not going to get part of the ownership. But he's going to get a. I think he's going to get a decent extension, especially with the way they finished this year. And I compared it to this. All season long, or not all season, ever since they went seven and seven, I said, you know, people talk about, you know, how can you extend him after this? Bill Cowher received an extension in 2000 after the Steelers went seven and nine, six and 10, and then nine and seven. And when when Dan Rooney talked about why they gave him the extension after the nine and seven season, it was the third straight year they missed the playoffs. Two of those years were losing seasons. He said, it's because he never lost the locker room, especially at the end of the season. They rallied. I think they went three and one in their last four games. And let's stop down for a quick break here. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. During Covered in Glory with Toby Mergler and Brett Coromano, Brett discussed a few managerial moves that he is a big fan of. 
Well, we could talk about it more when we get to Chelsea Fulham here in a minute. You said you wanted to talk about Arsenal. So what managerial opportunities are you seeing for a team that is suddenly sliding out of the title race? Uh, I, that's one where I would love to see a, like a Roger Schmidt type guy or maybe specifically Roger Schmidt. Arsenal have one of the highest uh, passes per defensive action, which is a way to measure pressing um, across all the big five leagues. I think they're under 10. It's like 9.9 or something. But what they do when most teams like Liverpool, who's also up below 10, who press aggressively, is Liverpool turn those pressing chances into high turnovers, into immediate counterattacks and shots. Arsenal press you, and then they just take the ball, and they keep the ball, and they just sit on it. And it just drives me nuts. Like, I get that they've been good. I am not discounting the fact that Arteta has done a great job. But as a neutral fan... Wanting to see something interesting from the big five clubs. I do not want to see a team that presses high and then just keeps the ball and slowly passes it back and forth. Be exciting. So one of my one of my things, I have three that I really would want to see that I would find interesting. One would be take a deserve, take a guy like Roger Smith, put him with this young Arsenal talent, see what happens. I think at the very least, it would be way more entertaining as a neutral to watch Arsenal matches. Number two, Lucien Favre has always sort of showed up in kind of like these people that try to quantify manager value as one of the sneaky guys that adds value to a team. He had a very unceremonious ending where I think he got fired like after losing to like a second division team in the French Cup um, when he was at Nice, his last go around at Nice. But he's 66. He's getting up there in, in years, which isn't great. But he had a pretty unique style when he was having a really good run at Dortmund where they would play this sort of like circulation, like possession between the back to kind of draw opponents to them. And then they'd spring it forward into space when Haaland was there. And I look at guys like Ezzy and I look at Olise and I look at Crystal Palace and how Roy Hodgson is still there. Tell me Roy is still there making a team as average as they can be. Yeah. I would love to see with Ander, with uh, Joachim Anderson in the in that back four who can who can play the ball at his feet and and do some good stuff there. I would love to see someone like Lucien Favre take a job like Crystal Palace and just kind of play that 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 weird collection of like a possession slash counterattacking style with those really exciting young wingers and make Crystal Palace. More of this, oh, old Roy doing it again, keeping him afloat into something that we'd be like, hey, man, like Crystal Palace is playing. They're kind of exciting. Um, that would I, be another I, one. Oh. I was trying to think of the NFL equivalent. I'm struggling to come up with it. Like, who's a guy that's like, hey, uh, his best attribute is he's coached for 30 years. He's never won anything, <laughs> but he's there. He's always been he's there. Just, he's just there. I don't know. Is that like Jim Caldwell? <laughs> I think we yeah. kind of be there. He keeps popping up everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a great thing with, with Roy is he's so basic where it's like, you could do so much worse. You could do Frank Lampard. Right. But I also think that like a team like palace is in a position where you should want them to want to go get somebody that's going to kind of move the needle a little bit more. Um, and then I think the final one would be deserve is probably going to go somewhere. Uh, maybe not this year because obviously with McAllister and Caicedo leaving, They've taken a little bit of a dip, but like he's going to be on some big club's radar at some point. Um, and I think if that ever happens, I have learned a newfound appreciation for Marco Sobo, Toby. Oh <laughs> As God. an Everton fan who really wandered through oh the doldrums after like his three straight eighth place finishes, his, Marco Sobo's biggest undoing to me 
is everywhere he's been, he has been his own worst enemy or has been saddled with basically a poor front office that just got him bad players. I mean, he was there for the the infamous Everton year where Gilfie Sigurdsson, Wayne Rooney, and Davy Klassen all came in the same window. I yeah. need to write an opus about how ridiculous that year was. <laughs> Three number slow, but number tens. I'm saving work for myself. All in the same window, all for like 90 million pounds and huge wages. Come on. But I would yeah. love to see Silva, who clearly gets results out of teams that have limited players, go to like a recruitment, you know, savvy team like Brighton and see what he could do there. And to round out this best of with yet another Steelers topic, Dave Damashek was this week's guest on Trendy with Toby Mergler, and he takes his victory lap for correctly predicting the Steelers making the playoffs. Now I have <laughs> larger fish to fry, namely the Buffalo Bills. My team did it. They made the playoffs. I'm over the moon about it. Um, good times. You know, I wish I wish it would have been a cleaner get in. I thought the Steelers were going to be a little bit better, although I did miss their final regular season record by only a game. I said 11 and six and obviously 10 and seven ain't too far off. And that makes, I can't remember how many years, a dozen, I think now um, in which I haven't missed the Steelers final record by more than a game, which is, which is incredible. I mean, that's an incredible streak. You don't get enough credit for that one. It's almost, it's almost incredible. If it were on yeah. the nose for 12 straight years, then I would insist upon a parade, but still pretty good. Um, but you know what? I really love, I have to say, once you're in it, it's super fun. Those last couple of weeks um, doing that math of like, so my team and I, you know, probably about half or a third of pro football fans out there experienced it the last fortnight or so it's such a fun kind of process that kind of like so we need that team to lose next week or those two teams to tie and then if we yeah. win then we get like that that's super fun to be following that kind of stuff and obviously even better when it works out for you so i'm glad we <laughs> came through clean on the other side and get to play the buffalo bills already up to 10 i don't know if they even need to bother making the trip what's the chance no one outside their locker room believes in us i do think you, they're probably going to go though you had the big advantage uh, of having the Steelers win first, right? Like that makes it even sweeter for week 18 because you took care of business on Saturday and then you had all of Sunday knowing mm -hmm. that that first, that first piece of puzzle had already fallen in because like, otherwise if you're just like hoping, hoping for wins or losses and waiting for your team to play, I imagine that's a less satisfying experience. That's right. And it's also the, the only thing I know it's insane. I think a lot of people who are Steelers fans probably, while the Dolphins and Bills were going at it on Sunday night, we're thinking, I think the Chiefs would be a better matchup going to Arrowhead to, to play to play Patrick Mahomes and company where they never lose is better than going to Buffalo. I think I kind of lean that way, but one of the main reasons the Buffalo game is more satisfying is exactly what you just said. At least there will be a couple of games to watch on Saturday with the anticipation of, who knows? Let's see. Cause tomorrow my team might win and that's unlikely, but if they do it, it kicks it down the road by one yeah. extra day, you know? And that's what the Steelers did by winning two weeks ago. Um, in Seattle, they kicked it down the road by one more week and by beating, um, 
the Ravens, they kicked it down the road one more week. And as you've heard me say a million times, journey over destination if you're a football fan. Now, for the gambling aspect of it, there are going to be games every weekend. And in fact, every day pretty much save on either side of the baseball all-star game. Ooh, cold chill up my spine. Football season's <laughs> almost over. Then, then before you know, we're going to have nothing but baseball to talk. Let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the good times. 